It's time to talk UK sports with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is the Leach Report Radio Network. Join in the discussion by tweeting your questions to at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. And you can call 877-904-1080. Now, along with an outstanding lineup of guests and broadcast to the most passionate fan base in America, the Big Blue Nation, here's the voice of the Wildcats. Tom Leach. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It is our Friday edition of the Leach Report. Normally, we're uh, always excited about getting to Friday. These days, one day is about the same as the uh, as the next. <laughs> and so uh, it's just the uh, crazy times that we live in. But we are glad you are here with us to uh, listen to a little UK sports conversation today. We'll do that with uh, two good friends of the show, Seth Greenberg from ESPN, Mike DeCourcy from the Sporting News. Lots to talk about with uh, Olivier Sars, transfer to Kentucky, uh, and uh, name, image, and likeness from the NCAA, etc. So we'll get into all of that as we uh, move through the show today. Wildcat News of the Day is a service of Cardinal Point Financial Group. That is a private wealth advisory practice of Prize Financial Services. Frank Anselm reportedly has uh, dropped UK from its list. Cats Illustrated, uh, a couple of their uh, reporters saying that it was a mutual decision, UK and uh, Anselm, to part ways. And so I would think you would focus on DeAndre Williams of Evansville as the other addition that might come to the UK basketball roster in addition to Olivier Saar. Uh, Williams, the uh, transfer candidate from Evansville, and would have to sit out the upcoming season unless he get would get a waiver. So Kentucky could have uh, two guys if Williams ends up coming here, uh, lobbying for waivers. Um, I don't believe uh, Jacob Toppin is going to do that, uh, but who knows? But I think he was content with sitting out a year and, and uh, building up his body. But I uh, would think uh, Williams would uh, try to get eligible if he comes here, and we know. Olivier Saar is definitely going to do that. Uh, ben Roberts from the Herald Leader caught up to uh, a gentleman who is the head of a service that helps athletes navigate their way through NCAA issues like uh, eligibility and transfers and the like. And if you go through the story, there's probably less reason for optimism than more in fact uh, the last line of the story the gentleman says based on the information that's out there i wouldn't be optimistic about sar gaining uh, approval for immediate eligibility so it's going to be i think a, a good long wait and there's guys like this feel it's a it's an uphill battle for kentucky and uh, olivier sar but uh, i think to me, just as I look at this, and you know, I'm far from a, from an expert. But, uh, talked to Sandy Bell over the years. Uh, she is no longer the compliance person, but the the people who are in charge of that came up uh, under her tutelage. So uh, Kentucky will uh, know all the marks to hit and will have a, a great preparation, a great case prepared to to help as much as they can in this process. But um, I think it comes down to. If you go letter of the law, his chances probably aren't good. If you go, if the committee approaches it from a more pragmatic standpoint, then I would think he could have a very good case because of how uh, late in the process his coach was fired and it uh, impacted 
uh, a life-changing decision for Olivier as far as the NBA draft. And then you also have the, the fact if you're on the committee and you know, normally in a case like this, uh, you'd worry about a precedent being set perhaps. But if if you are of the belief that the rule is going to change in a short time anyway for guys to be like this to be immediately eligible, then you don't have to worry about setting a precedent. So that's kind of where the pragmatic portion of it could come into play. So we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, football, Amani Gilmore, quarterback, enter the transfer portal. That one's not a surprise. Uh, you know, with uh, Gatewood coming in, signing a Bo Allen. If you're Gilmore, you could uh, see where your path to get on the field as a quarterback uh, might have too many obstacles and you might want to try somewhere else. So I, I certainly was not surprised when I saw that news. UK's latest Hall of Fame class has been announced. A couple of basketball players, Wayne Turner, Ron Mercer going in, a couple of baseball players, A.J. Reed, Sawyer Carroll, Danny Trevathan from football, uh, Shanda Bell from softball. So congrats to all of them. The date for the Hall of Fame uh, game weekend, etc., has not been uh, determined yet. Links to the stories that we talk about, you can find them on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. We'll come right back and hear from Seth Greenberg on the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at Tom Leach KY. Friday edition of the Leach Report. We go to the KentuckyHepworks.com hotline. Bring on our buddy, Coach Seth Greenberg from ESPN. How are you handling the lockdown, Coach? Doing all right. Uh, got my youngest daughter with me. She just graduated law school yesterday. We're safe and healthy. We're practicing social distancing and we're tremendously appreciative of uh, the doctors, the nurses, the hospital workers, the people that move our, move our food chain, and all those that are sacrificing to uh, keep us moving. Uh, let's talk a little basketball. We'll give ourselves a little diversion. We'll uh, start with Olivier Saar, who has uh, elected to transfer to play for Cal at Kentucky. Uh, first, just tell me about uh, his game and uh, why it's a good fit for the Cats. First of all, it's a good fit because he's an experienced player that played in the ACC, so the transition to the SEC and the level of play, the level of athleticism uh, is not going to be difficult. Uh, you know, here's a guy that was a productive player uh, in the ACC. He can score it around the basket. He runs the floor. He can finish. He's got good hands, good passer, good feel, pretty good rim protector, rebounds the basketball. Uh, he's a perfect fit for what they're doing. Uh he can play in ball screens. He can defend ball screens. Uh, he runs the floor. He can play off dribble penetration in the dunker spot. Uh, he's a really good player. Uh, and when you have big wings around him, uh, you know, it'll even be that much more effective. And he gives them another voice in the locker room, uh, which, you know, obviously now they have two voices of experience plus Keon. Uh, so it gives Cal some maturity with a very talented young group. It would seem to me that if the NCAA is moving toward, as seems to be the case, allowing players to get a one-time transfer and be eligible immediately at some point in the not-too-distant future, maybe as early as as next year, I guess, according to the reports, that um, why why would you um, fight SARS case here uh, in that because he has some mitigating circumstances with how late his head coach was fired relative to the NBA draft. On the other hand, the letter of the law, if you just go by the letter of the law, his case, you probably wouldn't be too optimistic. So how do you think that plays out? I think it's 
going to be really interesting. I think that, you know, obviously the cha- the one-time transfer exe- uh, exemption, I'm not sure that's going to play as much into it as, you know, look, wait for a season to end in March. They waited till the end of April. Look, I got fired in the end of April. It's, 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 it's debilitating to everyone in the program, not just the head coach, but the players in the program because of the uncertainty. This situation is even more severe uh, because, uh, quite honestly, that kid could have put his name in the NBA draft. But, you know, he was under the impression that his coach was coming back and he wanted to play for Danny Manning. So, I mean, I think that the university did not act, quite honestly, in good faith uh, and had and didn't have full disclosure. So I think that's something of an argument. The second thing is, I know Steve Forbes. He's a dear friend of mine. Would have he liked to have Olivia Sark? Sure, he would have. He tried. He, tried. he had met with him. And, uh, but, you know, he's coached at every level. He understands it. The NCAA does not allow the former institution to write letters now of support anymore. Look, I'm Cal. I mean, you talk about, you know, Baker, you talk about Quada, you talk about, uh, you know, right now, Johnny Juzang. I'm Kyle sure Wilcher. Cal will do everything he, yeah, Kyle Welcher. He'll do everything he can to help those kids gain eligibility immediately. Yeah, he's always done that. Um, so I'm interested to see what plays out. Uh, I think in, you talk about the kid, you talk about the best interest of college basketball, we talk about all those things we're dealing with. The best interest for that kid is to have give him a chance to play, to continue to develop, play, you know, have a chance to have a winning season. Uh, I think that Coach Forbes would be supportive of that. Uh, uh, now, I don't know how the NCAA will look at it, but uh, sometimes you just got to do what's right. And when, when doing what's right is letting this kid play. It's the Leach Report, and we are chatting with Coach Seth Greenberg of ESPN. Uh, do you know how much, if any, input Wake, Coach Forbes, get to have in, in this uh, with the NCAA committee? I really don't because, you know, the funny thing is each committee is different depending on the, per- the people that review the case. I don't know how much. Um, like, I-, I can give you the exact quote that I got from Steve yesterday because I did an interview with him yesterday. He said, look, I get it. So I've, been, I've been part of it. He said, you know, I got no problem. Look, we tried to recruit him. We would have loved to have him. Uh, but, but, and the but was real simple. He said, but, you know, hey, I hope he plays. It's, you know, look, he, you know, if he doesn't want to be here, he doesn't want to be here. And we're trying to rebuild a program, and I want guys to want to be here. So I'm interested to see how it plays out. I know that uh, I think Cal was going to communicate with him. I spoke with Cal yesterday. I know, I think he's going to communicate with him. And, uh, and not, look, there's a respect amongst coaches. Uh, you know, John has tremendous respect for Steve. Steve, I know, has great respect for Cal. Uh, I don't know what the administration is all about. I don't know uh, uh, Curry at all. But, you know, sometimes you just got to do what's right. I hope the kid gets eligible. I mean, you know, all of a sudden they've gotten more experience. Uh, they've gotten, obviously, talent. Now the big question is, are we going to actually play basketball? Uh, and have sport, but uh, that's a that that that's a big issue for another day. On that front, could you foresee? I mean, there was talk about playing games without fans at the end of the season before all hell broke loose. Um, do, could you foresee games without fans? Yeah, I could. I could see games without fans. I could see games with a certain segment of fans uh, spread out in a certain manner that have to enter the you know the stadium uh, you know or the arena in a certain way. The problem has comes to like uh, the restrooms. How do you keep the restrooms clean? How do you keep how do you keep them safe from you know people coming in and out, you know, crossing paths? Uh, you know, there's a lot of different things that I think that people that are a lot smarter than me, and I, I say this all the time: the doctors, the researchers, 
uh, you know, the, the scientists. Those are the people that are going to have to help us find a way. But I, I think if you play without fans, I had this I had this idea yesterday. I called Raquel Ravager. I said, why can't we have virtual fans? So people watch it on TV. You got a Kentucky game. You got a virtual Kentucky crowd. You, you know, almost like uh, Xbox. I don't. I've never played Xbox, but I hear you can do it. But with actually real fans, not re- real past fans, where you have someone in the control room that controls the the reaction to different things that happen on the court, whether it's a bad call, whether it's a made three, whether it's you know whatever. And then you know for the for the players, you just pipe in crowd noise, which we all do in practice when we're preparing to play on the road or even at home at times to get our guys understanding how to communicate when the crowd is engaged. So I think I, I don't, I don't know, play, not play. I'm not smart enough. I think, you know, we listen to the, to the doctors. Uh, this thing is not going to vanish. Um, hopefully uh, we find a vaccine or, or something that mitigates uh, the, the virus. If you get it, I mean, and the smartest people in the world are all working together to make that happen. And you hope that the brilliance of, uh, of the world and their ability to cooperate and be one team, uh, that we can find a way to, to get through this. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I don't like to, to speculate because I think all these coaches look silly when they speculate when, you know what, they don't know what they don't know. I don't know what I don't know. I know what I don't know. But, I you know, I would hope we have sport. I think schools are going to open and they're going to figure out a way to do that. And if the school's open, I think the great, we have a greater chance to have sport, which will be a great kind of distraction to, uh, to us all. It looks like uh, the name, image, and likeness deal is coming to college sports. Um, how impactful do you think it'll be? How, how difficult will it be to manage? It'll be difficult to manage because it's ridiculous when they say they don't want any school to have an inherent advantage. I mean, like Kentucky, Duke, Kansas, all those schools have inherent advantages of how they conduct their business, how they run their program. That's just the way it is. You can't you can't legislate that. Uh, look, I don't think you know. First of all, the way the economy is going to be, who knows how it's going to impact it? I sure. think where where players are going to have a chance to make money and monetize their name, image, and likeness is going to be through social media. So a kid commits to Kentucky. Cal says, you know, uh, Tom Leach, he, uh, yeah, he's a great follow. Big Blue Nation, let's get behind him. He gets a million followers. Then you monetize the million followers, and that's, there's your money. You'll have some clinics. You'll have some camps created. You'll have some some minimal amount of appearances. But, look, I don't care how good the Kentucky kids are. I don't care how good the Duke kids are, unless you're maybe like a Zion Williamson who's a once-in-a-generation player. Look. State Farm, MasterCard, these large corporations, all right, they're not throwing and giving money away, and they're not going to risk their brand on an 18-year-old on a college campus. That's just the way it is. So, like, I think that we're, look, certain schools are going to have an advantage, no doubt about it. Certain people will do some unethical things because that's just the way the world works in every walk of life. But I don't think it's going to be what everyone thinks it is because, one, the economy of the way it's going to be. Number two is... Uh, very wealthy people don't just throw money around unless they're just, you know, like I said, there's some rogue boosters that are just going to try to create something. The coaches supposedly can't be involved, but the, the, the social media thing is, 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 to me, the common sense way to monetize name, image, and likeness in, in, in the world today. What about, as far as the, from the coach's standpoint, do you, can you foresee it being an, an issue for 
for chemistry. Some people have suggested that could be a problem. It's a killer in a locker room. It's going to be a killer in a locker room. You saw the other day Pat Ewing as a kid, Matt McClung was thinking of, uh, of putting his name in the draft, and uh, Pat did an interview, said he expected to have him back. And some agent gets on and then refutes it on Twitter and starts blowing off his nose. The, the agent that was refuting it, I looked and saw his client list. It was like, who are these guys? I mean, the closest that dude got to the NBA was 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 Summer League, his players. And yet Pat Ewing, one of the top 50 players in the country, and now we got an agent, uh, you know, spouting off and taking shots at, at coaches and, and comments. Yeah, because here's the deal. When, when it comes to money, locker rooms are fragile as it is. I always say it. You guys know I always say it. February, you're only as good as your locker room. Yeah, it, it's going to be another thing coaches are going to have to monitor, and, and it, it's it's not going to be easy. Let's put it that way. Coach, I appreciate your time. You and your family uh, stay safe, and we'll talk again down the road. Stay safe, my friend. Be, be careful now. Stay well. Good guy. Always willing to help out Coach Seth Greenberg here on the Leach Report, coming to us on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. I'll take a minute to talk about Shuffle Bean Coffee. It is a Kentucky company that focuses on the quality of that cup of coffee that you will be drinking from the time the seed goes into the ground to make the coffee beans. Shuffle Beans, the official coffee of Rupp Arena and the KFC Yum Center. Many Lexington restaurants are serving Shuffle Bean coffee, too. If you haven't tried it, pick up a bag of Shuffle Bean coffee when you're in Kroger's or wherever you shop for groceries. If you don't see it, ask for it. Order through Amazon Prime, too. Put a little hustle in your shuffle. Go on over to shufflebean.us. You can read their story, find locations where you can pick it up. Give it a try. You will love it. Shuffle Bean Coffee. It's the Leach Report Radio Network. We'll be right back. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. Let's get our Keeneland Select Race of the Week in. Uh, there's only one stakes race of note this weekend. It's down at Gulfstream Park, the Sunshine Forever Stakes. And there's a horse that's 8-1 to one that I think could be a little dangerous in there uh, called Hawkish. There are a couple of Todd Pletcher-trained horses that look like the ones to beat, but this horse uh, won in his first time out for a trainer, Jim Toner, who doesn't win first time out very often. That was back in 2018, but it was at Gulfstream, and it showed he could win you know, coming off uh, just workouts to prepare him, which is what he's got to do now since he hadn't been out uh, since last fall. And this is a horse they've clearly had some uh, high opinion of, and... I just think this is an aggressive move by a conservative trainer, and those are always kind of intriguing angles, so suggest some confidence. Might take a look at Hawkish in the Sunshine Forever Stakes tomorrow from uh, for our Keeneland Select Race of the Week. And we are halfway home on this edition of the Leach Report. Back with Mike DeCourcy in just a moment. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the Cats. Second half of our show for this Friday, Mike DeCourcy joins us on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. You can read him at SportingNews.com on Twitter. It's at TSN Mike. Uh, we'll start with Olivier Saar, Mike, and uh, you're just. First, just your overall thoughts on uh, on his game and his development as he now heads over to Kentucky. I, I, I really like the progress he's made uh, during the course of his career. It started out kind of raw, not really uh, ready for high major play, and gradually built himself into a functional contributor. 
uh, and then in its most in, in its most recent season became a high level contributor, albeit on a bad team. But we've seen guys who who performed well on poor teams when they transferred to teams where the the stakes are higher, the the success is more expected, uh, the the talent around them is better. We've seen players like that do well. So I think that he comes into a good situation. He's obviously a need, especially if he's available to be eligible immediately. He feels a fairly pressing need. And I think he's got the opportunity to really contribute to them. He's got very good hands. He sees the floor very well. He rebounds extremely well. That's something that he's done really well per minute throughout his career. And that's not always... Something people say, okay, well, he's tall, he's going to rebound well. For a center, that sometimes is difficult. I think people overlook that with the way the defense is positioned, when you're the player guarding the post player, sometimes you're not in the best position to get the rebound. And he still has done very well, averaged nine a game this year, five and a half last year in 21 minutes. So he does that very well. And I, his offensive game still needs work. He especially needs to improve as a finisher around the goal. But uh, he, he, one thing he did really well this year, and this is something that translates extremely well, is he got fouled a lot. He yes. got 180 free throws. Uh, and 76%. Yeah, and he made them too, exactly. And he, he, 180 free throws in, in 26, 27 minutes a game is, is a ton. And so he, he did that very well. The uh, rebounding piece of it, I thought, was noteworthy when I was looking at some of his uh, numbers at uh, KenPalm.com when he first said he was coming to Kentucky, because that, to me, was maybe the biggest question mark heading into the next season for Kentucky. Uh, in If you don't have a guy like him, is uh, you've got a lot of length and some size, but very little bulk, and, um, you know, where Jackson... Uh, you know, Brooks is in the system. He can maybe get a little bulkier, but you know, you, you have a 250 pound guy would be uh, who rebounds well would be huge in more yeah, ways absolutely. than one. Absolutely, and and it, it gives you the chance to stay with a lot of what you already run too. Yeah, uh, and that and that you know they don't have to like if they if they if they didn't have Olivier uh, and and they did not get any other big player uh, a traditional post player uh, that you basically have to redesign your entire system. And and they and they have it, you know. They have some of that stuff in their in their bank. And I guess with so many new players, it wouldn't be that much uh, of a stretch. But if you go back to um, the the 20, 2018 team, uh, the team that lost to K State, uh, they they played a lot of different uh, uh, alignments with their front court because you had guys like uh, Vanderbilt uh, and players who weren't necessarily traditional low post targets. So, but I think I think that being able to have some continuity from year to year would would especially help a guy like Keon, who is now counted on to be your veteran, and he's only played uh, you know uh, reserve minutes. So it would be very helpful to him if they didn't have to make a complete change in structure. Yeah, very good point. Now, the key element to all of this that we're talking about is Sar being actually on the court. For Kentucky this yeah. season, and depending on uh, whose opinion you seek, uh, you can be optimistic or pessimistic. What's your take on it? How it might play out? Yeah, it, you know, I, the the uh, the whole uh, waiver process is hard to to figure, uh, but 
I, I think that uh, when you look at something like this, where uh, the where it was clear that the young man was staying in place and was willing to stay in place, and in what was not a you know what was not a successful situation, he was willing to stay in place because he was devoted to that particular coach. And he was willing to stay in place, even uh, even though, like I said, they were coming off uh, a very poor year, and 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 then the coach is removed. Now, if he had if he had let announced his departure in in you know after the season, after the, the and jumped right into the portal after they lost to Pitt, and then came back and tried to claim, well, you know, it was really about the coach. I, that would be a little bit harder sell. Yes, but I mean, he left literally after you know almost immediately after. It was determined that Danny wasn't coming back. I think that's a big part of it. I'm not sure exactly what case he will present. I saw one of my colleagues posit that we've never seen an athlete get a waiver just because there was a coaching change. Look, we don't know. Literally, we do not know why any of these waivers are granted. The school doesn't have to tell. The NCAA is not allowed to tell. And again, I mean, even if the school or player did tell you, you're not 100% sure that that's an accurate account of why the player got the waiver. So we don't know what reasoning goes into any of those decisions. That's true. And I mean, I know just personally as a college basketball and football fan watching it, um, there are times it feels like it's just Wheel of Fortune and it's come, you know, <laughs> what, what comes up? <laughs> With no ban, unfortunately. Yes, yeah, true. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, that's that's the uh, the big issue. And, and the other thing I wonder, because I was saying that you've got you know on the letter, the law side, it uh, it might be a harder sell. Um, you know what the what the rule the rules as they are written. But there's a pragmatic side, the things that you laid out about you know what affected Olivier's decision. And then the other thing is it's kind of like if if we're all of the belief and, the, and most importantly, I guess the people on the committee that. Players are going to soon be eligible to transfer and and be immediately eligible. Then you don't have to worry about setting any precedent, right? Exactly. And and this would be a case that I you know I wrote. Gosh, there's the twenty. Uh, so about seven years ago, I wrote a column that said that the I, the one the, there are two actually the two areas in which I am fully in support of players being allowed to transfer and be eligible immediately are grad transfers, uh, and I don't think that rule is going anywhere. And the other is players whose coaches are fired or leave. I yes. think that that player should be allowed at that point to move. And, and and I'm not saying that it wouldn't be good in a lot of circumstances for that player to say, even though I'm allowed to transfer and be eligible immediately, I still might want, I still might like the red shirt year. I, I think that's, that's something that they should consider more strongly. But I do think that's the one area, because – I, whatever the NCAA wants to say or maintain, the one huge difference between all NCAA schools is the identity of the person for whom you play. I mean, that's the one thing that changes from school to school. Everybody's got a library. Everybody's got an English department. And, you know, I know there was a lot of, uh, of uh, controversy, for lack of a better term, about the comparison of, of graduation between Wake and uh, or, or education or whatever, between, or prestige between Wake and Kentucky. They're all great universities. I mean, there's, there's something to be gained from every single one of them. And so uh, I don't think that any athlete who, pro- who promises to play for a coach and then has that promise ripped away from him or her 
should be denied the opportunity to be playing uh, at, at their next school without having to sit out. I've always thought the NCAA's position on on that, as far as you know, you play for the school, not the coach, etc. It comes under that heading of when I say it's a sport, you say it's a business. When I say it's a business, you say it's a sport. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. Absolutely wonderful point. I just, I you know, like I said, I you, you could be a option quarterback, and then uh, and then yeah. mommy comes to be the coach, and like I mean, it's not fair to the option quarterback. I mean, so exactly right. Be reasonable about it. All right, we're heading to a break. Uh, one more segment with Mike DeCourcy. When we come right back, you can read him at sportingnews.com. He's with us on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. We'll be right back. Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. Chat with Mike DeCourcy, sportingnews.com, at TSN Mike on Twitter. Uh, here on the Leach Report, uh, let's talk a little bit about the name, image, and likeness thing. Uh, that issue, uh, the NCAA has a, a group that has uh, put out some recommendations on on how it could uh, be incorporated into college sports. And uh, there's a story now that has emerged about a couple of senators that have sent a letter to Mark Emmert at the NCAA saying they don't think this goes nearly far enough, uh, and it would seem that the NCAA would need some, ideally, help from Congress to standardize all of this rather than it being a state-by-state issue that the NCAA has to deal with. So what's your take on all of this at the moment as it stands? I think that uh, that it would be helpful to the NCAA to get that congressional help, and particularly in the area of litigation. I mean, the state-to-state stuff, they're not worried about. It, they're, they're, they have the hammer. They, they can say... Okay, look, we have this rule. If your state doesn't like it, then your state's not playing. That's, that's, they can do that. I mean, they, they have as much power in this debate as the state of Florida, the state of California, whomever. Uh, how would you like to, how'd you, how'd you like to be uh, a state senator, uh, say, uh, in Florida, who has to t- explain to Gators or Seminoles fans why they can't be in the college football player for the NCAA tournament? I don't think that that would go over so well. Where the real area where the NCAA wants help from the federal government is in litigation. Because if the federal government passes a law, then you can't come back and say, hey, we should have had that five years ago, ten years ago, whatever, and we didn't get it, so we're suing you and you have to pay us. That's really what they're looking for from the federal government. It's apparent to me, based on the response from the senators who, who, who sent that letter, that they're probably not going to get the help they're looking for because the senators didn't even really pay attention to the substance of the document. I mean, they just they, they were looking for another opportunity to grandstand, and it's easy to grandstand against the NCAA because the NCAA is is a misunderstood and therefore wildly unpopular institution. People make anything that they don't like about college athletics the NCAA's fault, and there's all kinds of false narratives out there about how the NCAA operates or what they do or and so it's easy you know it's easy to score points in the public relations game by criticizing them it's not hard at all and so as a result uh, you have these two senators writing this letter which is if you read the letter and if you look at the document it's they're, they're, they have no specific criticisms essentially what the NCAA has said is we want to do this because we realize whether they do it, whether they're doing it because it's 
expedient or because it's the right thing. We we're, we want to do this. We're willing to do this, but we're not going to let you buy players with it. That's basically all they've said. And and that's you know I don't think that anyone who's a real fan of college sports has a problem with that. I mean I don't think anybody wants people to be able to buy players. I think people want players to be able to get value for for their uh, celebrity, for their hard work. But I don't think that they want them to – they don't want the uh, their opposition to be able to get a recruit because they buy them. And it, with the way the NCAA has written this rule, I don't uh, – or I've written this proposal, I should say, I don't think it's that hard to discern – Fair market value, that's what the, the NL, NIL uh, uh, supporters have argued, with, have argued for for nearly a decade. Give us fair market value. So then when the NCAA put it in a document, okay, fair market value, that means if you are a, uh, if you are a star quarterback at State U, then you can't come in and get three, four times what the pro player at the same position or whatever gets from a car dealer or, or a department store or whatever uh, for an appearance. You can't. I mean, it's, it's, it's clear at that point that the car dealer or department store is trying to grease the wheel for good old state you. And it, 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 but if you're getting the same as a pro player, maybe a little less, it's going to be pretty obvious that you're getting what you earned, and that's not a problem. What about, say, in a uh, college market like Lexington, Starkville, etc., SEC cities, Athens, where you don't have the pro component, or at least as readily available, you know, you don't see a lot. If see, don't see a lot of you know pro guys doing endorsements, say here in Lexington, that kind of thing to compare it to. Yeah, exactly. I I mean, I think you could still. uh, It does. It it still would be able. You'd be able to look at what the pros are getting in other markets for similar. Experiences, I would think, uh, and you know, whether that, again an autograph signing or uh, or a, a a personal appearance, I, I think I think you can still get a pretty good idea of what is what is a reasonable expense and what is uh, you know the car dealer reaching into his bank account because he he wants you know good old state U to to win championships. I, or, I don't think it's that big a tar that that difficult a target to assess. Oregon's governor yesterday uh, suggested any large gatherings through September should be canceled or uh, modified. Um, it, it would seem to be before too long, um, somewhere in June, perhaps that colleges are going to have to be making some kind of decisions on things to be able to to plan for the if they think. There's going to be some level of uh, football getting started. They've got to plan for it somewhere before September, right? Yeah, I, I think that the the main component. Uh, although I, there was an article out that suggested some wavering in this, I still don't think that that's necessarily going to be true. But the main component to there being college football is college. If the University of Kentucky is open for business for students uh, in in the fall whenever their fall semester begins, late August, early September, I think there will be football. Now, whether that's with just the families in the audience, um, a, a smaller crowd, I don't think that by September, and, and perhaps not by the end of the year, a lot of it depends on the, uh, the rapidity which, with which a, a vaccine might be developed. 
Um, I don't think that we're going to be looking at full houses anywhere in the United States by the end of the year. So each school will have to decide how they want to do this. And I, I, I'm not sure, you know, I, I, they're, they're the ones that are in the business. I'm not sure how popular it would be to limit a crowd to 10 or 20,000. Maybe just students in the crowd or, or students and, you know, and players' families. I don't know exactly what the, uh, what the, uh, upside is of allowing crowds of say 20,000 into a 70 or 80 or 100,000 seat stadium. It just seems to me like you'd anger a lot of people. Uh, by excluding them, I, I don't really know for sure what the what the uh, upside of that is. But I've heard it discussed as a possibility that they would limit crowds. I don't think that we'll have full houses. I do think we'll have if we have college, and I know the colleges really want to be back in, in in session in the fall because you know for a lot of them, it's going to imperil their uh, their existence or their operation. Uh, yeah. To be a, to to be without students, I mean, and 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 for a lot of com- campus communities, be very difficult to to endure as well without the student populations. Mike DeCourcy, always a pleasure. Stay safe. You too, absolutely, Tom. Thank you. Mike DeCourcy, SportingNews dot com at TSN Mike on Twitter. We'll wrap up this edition of the Leach Report when we come right back. Congratulations to a couple of the new UK graduates this weekend. Former Kentucky basketball star Nazi Muhammad, former Kentucky football star Wilbur Hackett. Uh, Wilbur, one of the uh, gentlemen featured in the uh, Black and Blue documentary, is the, one of the trailblazers helping to integrate football in the SEC here at the University of Kentucky. So he came back and was able to finish up his degree, Nazi too. Congrats to both of those gentlemen. Job well done. Uh, we were talking about our Keeneland Select Race of the Week earlier. Uh, a reminder that when you, uh, if you have a Keeneland Select account and wager through Keeneland Select here in May, uh, proceeds will help fund Nourish the Backstretch, which is providing weekly meals and groceries to stable area workers that uh, are caring for the horses at Keeneland and the Thoroughbred Center. So it's a great way Keeneland Select uh, gives back a portion to the uh, industry, and this is a great way they're doing it right now. During May, you can help out when you wager through Keeneland Select. We'll see you, to, we'll see you Monday on the Leach Report. Have a great weekend, everybody. Whenever you miss a show, and be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leachreport at gmail.com.